Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. We're back here on the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast, Joe DeLeon, Ryan Roberts, and today we're going to be giving a preview of the Senior Bowl, which kicks off practices next Tuesday. We've got a list of offensive and defensive players that you should know about, guys that either are big names that are going to be participating in the event, or maybe some guys that you don't know about that could be big risers throughout the week if they have some nice performance performances. All that coming up and more before we get to that, though, I just want to remind everyone to head on over to betonline.ag. It's my number one go-to source. It also should be your number one source for your sports betting needs. If it's NBA, the Super Bowl coming up, uh, MLB when that starts up, NHL, any sport you can imagine you can bet on it at betonline.ag. Make sure you use that promo code BELIEVE50 to get that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, Joe, Ryan. Joe. Yes. Joe, speaking, yes. speaking of bets, I just made a bet on a, uh, a prop bet for the number one overall pick in the 2020. Oh, 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 God. I know who exactly who you just <laughs> put, who you placed it on because you texted me about it yesterday. Yes. Um, Look at that! Look, look at the integration of of uh, of betting into the show and into the read. I'm really proud of you. We've come <laughs> we've come full full circle. Yes, man. Hey, man. I I am a, I'm a smart better, Joe. I only bet when I know I'm going to win. So that's that's how you that's, do it, man. I, that's fair. That's a that's a that's the way to go about it. I wish I was as smart because I like to. Uh, uh, quite literally, gamble and take a lot of stupid risks. So, well, I like I just put together a prop bet that has four guys scoring a touchdown this weekend. That's got plus sixteen hundred odds. That's not going to hit. Um, I will be very upset when that doesn't. So, Ryan, let's get to the Senior Bowl. Though I'm going to be making the trek to Mobile to watch the practices, and we'll be covering it and talking about it during the week on this show with recaps uh, each day, as much as we can go when I'm going to be in there in Mobile. Uh, but we want to prepare our listeners for what is going to come and what to expect with some of these big names. So we broke it up by offense, by defense. But like one of the things, and we kind of talked about this earlier, it just does feel like this group of senior bowlers this year is maybe a little lighter in star power than we've had in the past. And maybe it was because of the COVID eligibility that added so many different guys the past couple of years. And we've also had a couple of players as well drop out and decide not to participate, particularly Tyree Wilson and Devon Witherspoon, uh, the two very talented defensive players. But just in general, it seems like a little bit of a, a lighter class this year. Yeah, I, I think it's across the board. I mean, I think that from a full class perspective, Joe, we talked about this a lot last year, but last year's class yeah. had, what, 2,100 guys or something like that, right? Which was three times as much just about as the previous year. So it was a remarkably big class. I, I would, I don't have this, a study or anything about it, but I would venture to say that last year's class was probably the biggest we've ever seen from just a, a volume perspective yeah. this year. I think there was only 69 players that declared early when we've been in like the 90, a hundred something range for the last few wow. years. So there were significantly less players that just declared early for one and then, two, I think with the class that we just saw last year, trickling down effect is that so many went last year, less go out this year, right? So I think, one, it just seems like a little bit of a less of a volume draft this year. And I think that you're seeing it, I mean, on the 
on the all-star game circuit. I mean, again, like with guys like even Stetson Bennett, for instance, that choosing not to participate, that opens up one slot that was otherwise not there. So we have some quarterbacks, for instance, in the top two games that would generally probably be more of NFL PA bowl type of players, but it's just, I think it's a trickle down effect from, like you said, the COVID eligibility and it's starting to regulate itself. But I think it kind of went complete reverse this year. You know, it was like last year was bananas from a volume perspective. And this year is a very small class comparative to what we usually see. And I think there's a couple things that lead to this outcome before we get into talking about these names. I think one with the increase in fourth and fifth year players, participating and having key roles for their rosters leads to a heavier grouping of older guys and less early declarees. Uh, That's one thing that was a result of COVID. The other thing too, we have this strange competition now between the Shrine game and the Senior Bowl where they're going on at the same time. And there were also a couple of guys, like we talked about Ricky Stromberg and, and Zay Flowers. Those are just two small examples of players that in any other year would have been at the Senior Bowl but opted to go to the Shrine game because, again, now there is this competition for what is supposed to be the better uh, all-star game for for upperclassmen. So it's just a really weird flux of how this thing is shaping out because of all these different shifts and variables that have happened over the past couple of years. Yeah, and it makes it really weird. I'm glad you mentioned the Senior Bowl and the East, well, East-West into the Senior Bowl kind of overlapping because you just saw a NFL PA Bowl small school offensive tackle just got called up to the Senior Bowl. So, like, the call-ups are now going. It used to be Shrine Bowl, whoever dominates there might get an invite up to the Senior Bowl when the roster you know opportunities are there. But now you're getting called up from like the NFL PA Bowl. So naturally, that's even like a again, no no shade to the NFL PA Bowl because they put out a good product. But that's going from the the third tier game up to the first tier game. You know what I mean? Like that's just kind of a, a big jump. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's like jumping from you know a Division two team and then playing you know group of uh, Power Five football your final season. Yeah. Like it's it, it is a significant jump. So I think that that is also affected a little bit as far as the parity in the between the top two games because you're just not sharing players at all you know like there's that weird buddy of the heads where even if the shrine bowl was a week earlier let's say i think that the senior bowl wouldn't really take too many shrine bowl guys just because there's bad blood between the two games for whatever reason right now which is just odd and awkward and whatever other word you want to use on it I want a 30 for 30 on the politics of the East-West Shrine game in the Senior Bowl. And it's one that we will never, ever get. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Oh, my God. That, I think that would be one of the most entertaining 30 for 30s. And, like, we're not trying to create an enemies here on this show. I just It's just such an interesting thing to kind of observe. And those in the scouting community and who cover the NFL draft vaguely know that it's going on without knowing – what's happening behind closed doors. So I I think it's just, it's really bonkers how this is shaping out the way that it is. Um, One thing that I'm very focused on is the offensive line play. And that's always the case with the senior bowl, because I think that the offensive linemen and the defensive linemen always have the most to gain or to lose because of the amount of one-on-one opportunities that they receive uh, during these practices for any level of football. One-on-ones has always been a strong feature of, most practices in season training camp and then here now at the senior bowl but there's three guys in particular ryan that 
I think have a lot of opportunities to really increase their stock, improve the recognition of their name. Those three guys that I wrote down to acknowledge, Jalen Duncan from Maryland, Cody Mock from North Dakota State, and then Osiris Torrance from Florida. I think Mock has become a bit of a fan favorite because of you know his his funny story and every time North Dakota State plays no context college football on Twitter has tweeted out the graphic that the ESPN crew has leaned on the whole damn season which is oh he was a tight end as a freshman and look he's a big offensive lineman now and he's been really great at North Dakota State right. um but the other guys I think could be peaking around the end of the first round if if they have a strong process starting with the senior bowl going into the combine and then eventually the draft yeah, I mean, in, in that first group, man, like, I mean, you mentioned Jalen Duncan, but we could also throw Blake Freelands from BYU yeah. in that conversation. We could throw Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse in that conversation. I think what makes Jalen Duncan so intriguing, though, is I just – I feel like personally that Maryland doesn't get a lot of the fanfare, right? Like they don't get the big pub all the time because they haven't been a incredibly consistent football team. You know, like they've had spurts of good and then, you know, Talia Tagovailo would throw four interceptions in a game and you come kind of back to reality over the last <laughs> couple of years. Like that's kind of what they are. But when you look at Jalen Duncan, listed at 6'6", 320 pounds, 33 and a quarter inch arms was is what he was verified with before the season. So he doesn't have the longest arms in the world, but I think what really separates him on film for me, this kid can move, man. He's a really yeah. good athlete. And in these type of scenarios in a senior bowl setting, you already mentioned it, but the one-on-one pass rush reps are what evaluators are really looking at for an offensive tackle. You know, it, of course you want good, you know, a good, performance in the inside run and outside run in individual team. Like you want all those things. Sure. But nobody cares about the game for one. What is the main crit- one? One of the main things that people are going to look at is those opportunities for him to face off against the best pass rushers on his side of the roster. And you want to see him against guys like Will McDonald, for instance, that is a true outside track winner with athleticism and see how he counteracts that. Because the thing about what those types of rushers are going to do to him is they're going to rush Jalen Duncan's process a little bit, right? You're going to make him uncomfortable. You're going to get him out and try to get him to overset to take advantage of him. I think he has the requisite athleticism to be a blindside protector on the next level. But some people, although 33-inch arms has now kind of become the pass for playing offensive tackle if you have the foot quickness, some people are still going to look at him and say he's not the longest dude of all time. So I want to isolate you in those types of situations. And I want to see if you can handle those types of rushers. If he can, like you said, Joe, he's being rejected pretty heavily in the second round right now consistently. I think he could be a late first-round pick. I do think it's possible because he has all the athletic traits. The film has been up and down. It's not perfect. From a technical perspective, he still needs to get better. He does. He does overset at times. He doesn't use great hand discipline all the time. But the traits from a height, weight, athleticism, foot quickness perspective, he's got everything you need to be a blindside protector. It's just about the nuance of playing the offensive tackle position. So he is one, along with Blake Freeland, Matthew Bergeron, that I will be having my eyes closely on for different reasons, obviously. 
I like that you mentioned Cody Mock too, Joe, because th- that one is completely different. And I think that we could have a really nice conversation about this because Cody Mock is being lauded for his tight end background and for good reason. Yeah. Right. Because he's a good athlete. There's no doubt. He moves well in space laterally. He has good foot quickness. But the thing about Cody Mock, and I was looking it up before we started here, Cody Mock has short arms. He has very short arms. I'm pretty sure it's only 32 and some odd inches, if I remember correctly. I'm trying to get to the measurement here, but I can't quite get around it right this second. I will find it at some point in this podcast, but he does not have great length. He's got like 32 and some odd inch arms. Would typically be like a condemner, right? Like, no way. You can't play offensive tackle. You're inside. But he is a gifted athlete. So anytime you lack one of the traits, if you have an overcompensating trait to help with the lack of length, like foot quickness, sometimes you can last at offensive tackle. So I'm interested in him more than maybe any offensive tackle in this class at the senior bowl to see if he can play offensive tackle at the next level or he has to make that move. I think you're going to see a lot of defensive ends, pass rushers that are going to stress him outside. Can he handle that length, that explosiveness they have with his foot quickness? If he can then I think he's going to rise because I think that he's in a little bit of a gray area right now. It's like he has a lot of athletic traits to work with. He's a not great length guy. Can he play offensive tackle at the next level? If he's, if he can, I wouldn't be shocked if this kid's a late day two pick. I wouldn't be shocked about it because he can move, man. He's a good athlete and he's nasty. So you got nastiness, you got athleticism. Can he play offensive tackle? That's the biggest thing with Cody Mock. Yeah, Mock is one who just from his background coming from a smaller program is going to deserve that recognition. And and first of all, we've got so many guys that have come out of that NDSU team that are really good offensive linemen and that have shaped up into being draftable or mid-tier draftable guys. And I think I think Mock might be one of the best that we've seen in that category from Dylan Radens. And who who was the kid that went last year to the Bengals? I'm blanking on his name. Cordell Volson. Cordell Volson. Cordell Volson. Yes. So, like, we've had all these other guys, and maybe Mock does earn a little bit easier of an opportunity playing guard, but the key thing here is that we are probably going to get to see him not just exclusively play a tackle. I would be willing to bet that the coaching staffs of these teams are going to say, let's try you at guard and just get some reps to see how things go as right. things typically turn out. And that I, I honestly – I wouldn't be shocked if we don't have – a, a Cole Strange type week for for a Cody Mock who Strange had played uh, a bunch of different spots at Chattanooga. He comes to the Senior Bowl. He exclusively plays center and guard. Was promising at center, and I thought that he snapped really well and he looked really good and comfortable at that center spot. But really made a name for himself by dominating on the inside. And maybe that should be Mock's approach. I know that there's more money in playing tackle, but he could possibly get drafted higher if he has a really freaking dominant week at guard. That could be one of those instances here for for Mock, and he be, could be one of those small school guys to, to to pay attention to. And he had, I found the measurement finally, 32 and 3-8 inch arms. So he's got right around 32 and a half inch arms. So that is, I mean, you're going to find your Samuel Cosmes occasionally that is now playing with mm-hmm. Washington Commanders. That was an offensive tackle at Texas has been able to stick it offensive tackle with sub 33 inch arms because he's a really good athlete, right? That's his overcompensating trait. So similar thing for mock to your point, Joe, he, I've, I've talked to some scouts that like him at center. Like they have, they like that. They like him at center. Some like him at guard. Some think he could stick a tackle. So I'm interested to see that one. 
You talk about Cole Strange. I'm really, I'm really disappointed in you now that I think about it because you had a chance to include McClendon Curtis on this list. Now Chattanooga uh, guard that's going to be here, who is yeah. all of, all of Joe, 6'6", 325 pounds after he cut down in 35-inch arms. He has a near seven-foot wingspan. Massive. And you decided not to include well, him. We can lump him. I think we should tie him into bringing up Osiris Torrance, the Florida guard. I think both of those guys, I feel like they've got, they're big names, but I feel like not that they have less to prove, but I feel like I kind of understand who both those guys are. Like we talked about what needs to happen for those other players like a Jalen Duncan and right now for a Cody Mock, but like I feel like I kind of know what Osiris Torrance is and I feel like I know that he's going to come in and have a pretty strong week. And I think the same is, Maybe the case for McClendon Curtis, who is a little bit less technically refined, but just a freaking massive human being that is going to have a lot of eyes on him because he's a huge freaking kid. Yeah. Well, Torrance, I was looking at his size. He was listed a hair under 6'5", but we'll say 6'5", for argument's sake, 347 pounds, 33 and a quarter inch arms, but he has a seven foot wingspan and a 11 and an eighth inch hand, man. That dude is massive and he's the type of guy that you've seen it sporadically but would it shock you if Osiris Torrance sneaks into the later stage of the second of the first round would it shock you I don't think it no no I don't I I keep seeing people and it's not like super high-end reputable sources but like you see some of those hobbyist NFL draft people that we all follow on Twitter you do see some mock drafts where people are throwing them in at the end of the round and I wouldn't be pissed about that he's possibly the best guard like who else what other guards are we putting ahead of him and I think from when we did our summer scouting and right now as it stands he's my highest graded guard he's a big powerful kid if Cole Strange can fly into the first round the way that he did I think I I believe Osiris Torrance definitely can fly into the end of the first round early second I I think that he is going to potentially go to the senior bowl and just shut the door on dudes man like I think that he has that opportunity to just be like I mean, nothing flashy about Osiris Torrance, but just be that guy that's just like, nope, not today, sir. Like, it's it's over with. Because I'm running looking, people over. Exactly, yeah. And I, I'm looking at the Senior Bowl roster for interior defensive linemen. It's not incredibly, it's not incredibly exciting, you know, because Siaki Ika obviously is not going to participate. Keanu Benton's going to participate, whether it is during the week or during the game. You'll see him. Zach Pickens, Cameron Young. Byron Young. Byron Young, Cameron Young from Mississippi State. Tyler Lace is going to kind of play a little bit inside and out. Jalen Redmond. So it's not an incredibly deep or talented interior defensive line class. So I think that Cyrus Torrance has a chance to go to Mobile, just clamp dudes all week, man, and just kind of put the put the exclamation point to his to his process right now. So two offensive weapons to wrap up our offensive players. One, Andre Yosovis from Princeton has been a name that I have heard so much about but know so little about because of where he was playing in the Ivy League. Getting to see how he can match up in these one-on-one situations if he's actually good enough, if he's not just this speedster that he's been described as. But Ryan, the one guy that I have the biggest question mark on is the Oregon State tight end, Luke Musgrave. Yeah. So I I admittedly didn't know a lot about him coming into the cycle. And suddenly I'm seeing his name brought up very highly in the tight end discussion. So I don't know how much you've watched of him, but for him to have this sudden rise without much, uh, much of a a mechanism for that rise, like we haven't even had any of the evaluation events yet. 
I got to know where this is coming from. It, it, it's coming from, so partly is people are excited about him in Mobile because he only played in two football games this year. He was dealing with injury. So you're going to see him healthy mm-hmm. for the first time. He had a decent grade on NFS before the season. So NFL did like him for a couple of varying reasons. One, Spill Musgrave's son, longtime NFL coach, right? He's got the NFL yep. bloodlines. Number two is apparently he's going to go to the combine or this pro day and run in the four fours at his size. Apparently that's, wow. that's the talking point, right? I've seen some Mike Gesicki kind of comps out there, which, Oh God, you know, Gesicki, if he's used correctly is a nice, you know, seam running type of tight end, but he's not a good blocker. He's not incredibly flexible. So this is a straight line athlete with some length. That's what Luke Musgrave is. So in these events, He's the type of player that is going to catch people's eye in the one-on-one opportunities, right? If he's able to win above the ladder, able to separate with athleticism, it's going to be interesting to see. I think that he is getting a little bit oversold right now. For me, this is a early day three developmental tight end that down the line could potentially be a mismatch weapon for you. But Mm. people are now throwing him into the late first round conversation, second round conversation. It's way too much. Stupid that the, I didn't know that he only played two games. I knew yep. that he was dealing with injuries. But again, this is one of those guys that I wasn't aware of because I was under the assumption that he was going to be outside of the top five for tight ends. And I was planning to watch him later on once I got to my tight end week of evaluation. So right. like, that's just goofy that we're already doing this. I don't know why, but you described 4-4 can't block. I immediately thought of Albert Okwabunam from Missouri. I don't know why, but I'm willing to bet that that's going to happen. This is going to be the Albert O of the of this this cycle where really good athlete, but we don't really have a lot of answers to all the questions that we have, and someone's going to overhype him, but he might not really get drafted where that hype is 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 leading. Yeah, he's going to be a fascinating player, man. Because like I said, there's there's some things to look at and be excited about. But it's just – this is just – I mean, at the end of the day, Joe, the NFL is going to go bananas for a – I mean, what is Musgrave listed at? We had an official on him in the in the preseason. He's a, he's a pretty well-sized kid. So Musgrave is 6'6", 250 pounds with 33 and an eighth inch arms. So, and and 10, eighth, 10 and 1 eighth inch hands as well. So this is a big kid, man. He's a big kid. Supposedly, he's going to run just a stupid time at his size. So anytime you have a height, weight, speed dude like this, people are going to get excited, right? They are. Mm-hmm. So he's going to get overvalued. He's going to get overdrafted, most likely. I think it's going to be fun, though, to see him in Mobile because you haven't seen a ton of him this season, right? You've seen flashes of him over the last couple years for Oregon State, but you want to see him healthy, and he's supposedly going to be healthy for this event. So it's going to be interesting to watch him in the week of practice, matching him against various linebackers, safeties, and even some uh, cornerbacks throughout the week. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, here's the main takeaway that I have, Ryan, with the defense, and it's in line with the whole class. There are a lot of edge prospects, a lot of freaking big-name edge prospects that are going to go starting at the first overall pick with Will Anderson to eventually we're going to have a bunch of guys go in the second round. Now, the senior bowl grouping that we have, there I, I couldn't include all the names. and I actually forgot one of them until you mentioned him earlier, mm-hmm. uh, and I made sure to re-add him into this list for the discussion. But there's three guys that I think have a lot to prove uh, with Isaiah Foskey, who had a bit of a down year and some yeah. are speculating might have fallen out of the first round. We've got an Andre Carter who had an up and down year, but is still a very traitsy, explosive kid who – uh, could find himself in the end of the first round, was approved 
the ability to play with his service academy requirement. And then I, I kind of want to lump Ivan Pace in here. The other two guys fit a different category for me, Ryan. Ivan Pace and Will McDonald, I think are going to be two guys I'm going to watch super closely mm-hmm. simply for things that we've talked about on the show when we've done our individual breakdowns, that both of those guys were not used in the correct manner that we'd like to see them at the next level. They were not asked and deployed to do various things that they're going to be doing in the NFL. So how does a Will McDonald do as uh, a stand-up edge rusher or as a primary edge rusher instead of playing that, you know, that five technique defensive end? How does Ivan Pace do when he's asked to cover guys in pass coverage and he's not told to rush the passer or to blitz on passing downs? Both of those guys have major questions to answer. And I think at least Will McDonald will benefit from those answers while Ivan Pace might actually hurt himself. Yeah, Ivan Pace is going to be interesting, man, because it's a similar thing that happened last year with Darian Beavers from Cincinnati, although Darian was much bigger, right? Like he was like mm-hmm. 6'3 plus, pretty long arms. Ivan Pace is a sawed off, probably 5'11 and some inch, you know, size linebacker. So he's a, yeah, he's the, a little- the, the way in for him might might be the da- start of the downhill for, for Ivan Pace, which really sucks. But it, I, I digress. <laughs> it, it's no, it's going to be really interesting, Joe. It really is. And then I remember a lot of people were high on Darian Beavers coming into the week and he kind of had his yeah. struggles in pass covers and he ends up going like late day three. Right. So this can be a big week for linebackers because you're going to be isolated a ton in pass coverage. It's going to happen all week. Can Ivan Pace play in coverage? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think he's a really instinctive, physical football player, but I really think going forward is much more his natural state than moving laterally, flipping your hips. Mm-hmm. doing. All, I, I just don't know if he has that type of skill set in him. So I agree. I think that this is going to be working against running backs, working against tight ends and pass coverage. Can he do it? I don't know. I don't know the answer. That's going to be very interesting because – Part of me says there's a reason that he wasn't asked to do it, and that's probably because he can't. But then also you can't completely throw it out like that he can't because then there's running backs all the time who it's like they didn't have pass pass receiving production in college. Right. Why did that happen? And then you see them, and they're pretty natural pass catchers. It just That's just not how the offense operates, right? So there's a steady See, I'm bounce. optimistic. I, I, not to cut you off. I'm yeah. optimistic that I think Darian Beavers is, is different than pace slightly. And I think that while your logic always tends to be the case, like that logic of if he wasn't asked to do it, it usually means that a good coach said, we're not going to force him to do something that he is weak at. Right. That logic always stands true at almost any position in college football and in the NFL. However, I'm optimistic that because that kid has such a good, very rare, sneaky power profile for a tiny linebacker mm-hmm. that they were like, why are we deploying these edge rushers that can't hold their own when this tiny little five foot eleven kid is punching guys in the chest and walking them back uh, at, at a very unexpected rate with stumpy little arms? So I- I'm hoping that it's because they were so excited by how strong he was. And that's the case. And maybe that shows up. Maybe he has a couple, you know, really good reps where he, he knocks some guys around. But I'm just, I was so excited and I'm praying that he does not have issues in coverage and that he's not a total liability. Well, at least when they do the one-on-one pass blocking reps against running backs, he'll probably have a nice little showing there when he's blitzing. Oh yeah. (laughs) He's going to blow somebody up. I'm calling it now. Ivan Pace is going to blow somebody up. Yeah. I mean, most likely. I like that you mentioned Will McDonald though, Joe, because to your point, 
played in that three-man front at Iowa State. Ugh. I mean, it, it wasn't in any way translatable to what Will McDonald is going to do at the next level because he's got almost 35-inch arms. He's six foot four, 227 pounds he was listed. Hopefully he's more around the 240 range heading into Mobile Week. And the kid is mm. just bendy, explosive. Like, this is a true nine-tech at the next level. Like, he needs to be a true outside track winner. That wasn't what Iowa State asked him to do. So I think he could do it because I see all the traits, right? But you haven't seen him consistently do it. So I want to see him against the Jalen Duncans of the world, the Blake Freelands, guys that have that natural foot quickness and length to be able to counteract him to see if he can still win outside track. Because if he can, my guy's going to rise tremendously because he is going to test out of this world, man. He's going to have a 40-plus inch vert. He's probably going to run pretty fast. He's explosive. He's going to test incredibly well. Mm. This is the first step in this draft process. Maybe this is a hot take, but I'm going to say this right now, Ryan. If if I see him with his hand in the dirt once, I'm going to be so pissed off. Just As long, just as, long st- as he's in a wide alignment, I won't mind. Yeah, as long as he's in a wide alignment. Sorry, let me rephrase. If he yeah. has his hand in the dirt, head up with a tackle or like a guard, I'm going to get upset. I'm going to be, I'm coming down onto the field and I'm going to say, get him out of there. Get him, get him out of there and stop. I've watched enough of this. I need to see the kid actually play the way that he's supposed to at the next level. And I, I want to see you get does. carried out on the fields. Like Jim Nagy calls the security, <laughs> like get this weirdo off the field, please. Uh, no, if, if I get thrown out, it's going to be for trying to snap with the long snappers. Let's let's be real here. That's yeah. really what's going to happen. Um, oh, yeah. Keanu Benton, though, you wrote him down. We're yep. a little thin at defensive tackle. I was going to write down Zach Pickens, but we talked about how much I loved Zach Pickens. He's somebody who I see some people grading as like a day three pick, and I have him as an early second rounder because of how strong he is. Yep. Maybe he has a couple of good reps against some of these interior guys, but Pickens and Benton, dude, their power profiles – are nuts, and I think that they can cause some serious problems this week. I mean, I'm especially excited about Benton because he is a kid that was dealing with injury all year. Like, he shouldn't have been playing, honestly, for through some portion of the season. So, he's healthy, 34-inch arms, 6'4 plus, 315-plus pounds. My guy is really talented, man. He's explosive, too. So, I'm excited to see him in those pass rush perspective, too, because I think he could be a big winner of the week to show off that he has more athleticism than people think. But, I mean... Big point, though, is that he's healthy finally, right? So seeing a healthy version of Keanu Benton, I think he's going to be the best interior defensive lineman in the class um, as far as the players in Mobile, not over Jalen Carter or anything. That was not a, a stupid opinion there for a second. I think he's going to be the best interior defensive lineman in Mobile, Alabama, and I'm excited mm-hmm. to see what he's able to do against some of the more talented interior offensive linemen he has to face. Last guy before we wrap up, and I, I was telling you before we taped, I'm glad you wrote this guy down. I became more aware of him after getting to talk to Quentin Johnston and hearing that this was his most difficult matchup this year. And then you do a little digging on him, his testing potential, mm-hmm. uh, his size. This is a six foot four corner in Julius Brents from Kansas State. The guy is freaking massive. We talk about what Tariq Woolen did this past year. I really think that this is either a Dallas Cowboys now that Dan Quinn's coming back or a Pete Carroll corner. And if he's in those schemes, it's going to be so freaking dangerous. I don't really know, though, what he is yet. And I think that getting to see him used in not just the, the, the deployment that he had at Kansas State and being asked to do different things this week, more one-on-one man situations, 
moving him around. I want to see what he can do because this is a yeah. really rare athlete that maybe hasn't gotten the recognition that he deserves. Yeah, Brent's is interesting too, Joe, because I think unlike mo- a lot of long corners that we talk about, he isn't. He doesn't really lack foot quickness. You know, like he can change direction pretty well for a guy that is six three. 200 plus and nearly 34 inch arms. My guy has a 6'10 wingspan, which for comparison is two inches longer than Jalen Duncan, who plays offensive tackle, right? Like it is wild (laughs) how long this dude is. So I think he has a chance because I think he has a chance to not only counteract the bigger receivers outside, but I think he's got enough foot quickness where you're going to be like, even though he's going against a 5'10 slot type, he's got he's got an opportunity to kind of ma- mirror match those guys in man coverage. So he's mm-hmm. a really talented kid, good short area quickness for his size. I think that Brents could leave the league as a big winner because we know how the NFL values these height, weight, speed freaks, the guys that have this tremendous upside like a Julius Brents. Yeah, I'm going to be watching him closely. We've got a lot coming up this week, so stay tuned for some quick hit breakdowns. We'll probably be doing a three 20-minute shows and then a full breakdown at the end of the week. Don't miss out on that at Joe DeLeon at Rise and Draft. We will be back with more. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you tune in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.